In this edition of Hoosology, we welcome co-host of Carrie and Jamel, both six to sports on Vice TV, Carrie Champion. She discusses her LA Lakers winning the title, and she gives her takes on Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Then Matt and I give our NBA season preview. And now, Carrie Champion. She is the co-host of Carrie and Jamel, Won't Stick to Sports on Vice TV. We welcome Carrie Champion onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Carrie? It's going well. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. So, so Carrie, uh, we know you're such a massive Lakers fan, and um, we wanted to get your insight just in terms of this um, most recent title, um, what it meant to you as a Lakers fan, considering all the circumstances. Can you kind of describe your feelings and emotions just uh, watch, watching the Lakers um, capture the title this year? Wow. Okay, so where do I begin? Let me just take a minute to breathe and then begin. <laughs> um, no, as a Lakers fan, I, I truly, truly have to explain to you just the history, right? So I grew up here in L.A., um, and my love of sports came from when, you know, my grandmother would take me to the Great Western Forum where the Lakers used to play, um, and she taught me the game. And it was a rite of passage in my family to love the Lakers. Like, if you didn't love the Lakers, you can't be a part of the family. It was just we went to all the parades. It was during the early 80s, mid-80s when they were winning. We went to all the parades. We did everything that we were supposed to do um, in terms of being hardcore fans. And so that's where my love for them grew, and that's all I ever knew in terms of my real first introduction to sports. So it's been a, it's been a while, right? And it was it was horrible when, when Kobe died. You could It was palpable. You could feel the sadness, obviously, worldwide. But in the city, there was a, a clear fog and sadness when Kobe Bryant and his daughter and the rest of those who perished in that plane crash, I mean, in that helicopter crash died. It was really sad. And then for us to be able to end the year on a high note, it was special and it was nice. And we, we all knew it felt like it was for Kobe, right? And, and it was just beautiful. It was, it was such a, a, a highlight. It was the silver lining of what had been such a tough year for everybody because of the pandemic. And can you um, describe LeBron James in particular, what he means to the L.A. Lakers now that um, he was on the forefront of really honoring Kobe's memory and then also winning the title um, since he I would think that since, you know, he had a previous history, as we all know, with previous teams and now coming to the, to the Lakers. Is he kind of like officially in the family now that he, he captured that title? You know, it's so funny that you say that because I was one of those Laker fans that did not did not like LeBron. Like I, I, I could not stand him when he first like stepped on the scene. And he and I have discussed this because I felt like it was it was all about Michael Jordan and Kobe. And then when LeBron became, you know, LeBron, people began the comparisons of LeBron and forgot about Kobe. Kobe was just washed. You know, he wasn't the great anymore. So I used to remember thinking all the Laker fans they felt some type of way. There was a bit of you know protectiveness over Kobe's legacy. And we, we always were like, stop forgetting about Kobe. You know, it would be Michael Jordan, LeBron, and then Kobe. We're like, don't forget about Kobe, you know. Uh, and then when he got here, there was still pushback. I remember thinking that. But at the end of the day, winning, you all know this, this is so cliche, but winning cures all. Um, and his title, and he had said privately and sometimes publicly, it would take me, he said, two years max to win a chip. He knew that from the end. It was just about right. And, um I mean, I think everybody appreciates him. And I also feel like 
you know, with the passing of Kobe, uh, it just changed so much. It was like, you know, he'll, LeBron has um, cemented a place in, in Laker history, but, you know, he won't, you know, he can't say, like, and I think, I think that he wouldn't even compare himself in terms of what kind of Laker great Kobe was. He's just a part of the family now, and we're, you know, we're grateful to have him. Makes sense. I, I wanted to ask you about the James Harden situation that's that's been all over the news the past two weeks. You know, we got a little mm-hmm. more insight from reports as to how kind of the dynamic was with Houston and kind of, you know, catering to James Harden, let's say. Um, how do you think is the best way to approach a relationship? with a superstar player if if you are you know kind of putting your gm cap on or your front office hat on um do you think that this is a situation that's an example of maybe like an unhealthy relationship developing i mean obviously not knowing all the details myself um but how do you think you manage these these big nba personalities and these guys that are you know really their own mega brands nowadays uh, what I'm probably going to say is going to be very unpopular to those who are not the big personalities are being catered to, but I think it's been that way since the beginning of time. I think with the advent of social media and reporting and all in 24 hour reporting, we're, we're learning more about it, but I, I really have a hard time believing that there weren't special allowances made for magic or Kareem or Larry bird, you know, or even MJ for that matter. We saw it during, you know, you know, during the documentary. Um, so, I think it just will always be that way. And you have to determine if you want to be a part of it. Like once it starts, you can't turn it off. You know, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think maybe Pat Riley might be the last of the Mohegans in terms of the, the last of the tried and true that tries to treat everyone the same, but you know, that didn't even work out for him. You know, if he had to do it over again, I think he would have made some, some different allowances for LeBron and for D-Wade for that matter. Um, so I think that there's a way to manage it, but I, okay, so I have a friend who obviously play, I have tons of friends who play in the league, but, you know, he said, you want to know, you want to know where you stand on the team, be late for the play or be late for the bus. If I'm making up a name, if Kawhi is, you know, late, they'll wait, you know, you read that too. So, mm. you know, but if you are not that person, they'll leave you. And it's just, it, it is what it is. And I don't know if there's a way to manage that because again, you just said it, they're their own brands, they're their own entity. And mm-hmm. basketball is one of those sports where you become bigger than the team. You know, it's one of those sports where yes, it's a team sport, but the players have really taken ownership, not just the mega players, but the players in general. It is, it is the way that they lead this league, the way they move in the league, it's, it's so different than any other league. In football, the things that, that they are not allowed to do or would be intimidated to do um, is the list is long in comparison to what happens in the NBA. The players do feel like, yes, they obviously have an obligation. And they, you know, I'm sure they didn't, a lot of them didn't want to have a 71-day off season. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. the reality is, is that, they really do control, if not one or two players, really do control the momentum of what happens. Um, very few are in uh, positions to, to, that have leverage, you know, and then those few who do have the leverage, you see what happens. I think, I, I really truly think we're starting to see more of it because we see how LeBron has been moving. I think everyone has been trying to emulate 
that he has created in terms of creating a team and being his own, you know, agent, if you will, his own manager, mm-hmm. if you will, his own coach. Like Kobe was his own coach. You, Kobe wasn't, you can tell, you can take Kobe out the game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not if he, he, yeah. He's like, no. He's mm-hmm. like, no, thank you. I, I'm not set. <laughs> So what do you make of of Kyrie Irving, for instance, that seems to be pushing the boundaries? Um, It it didn't necessarily end well um, with the Boston Celtics. And now, um, even before this season, uh, before he got hurt, um, there's some reports coming out with friction with him. Do you think that superstar status um, in terms of those privileges, in in terms of kind of um, having that leniency can kind of wear out its welcome, especially with this season, if it doesn't work out playing with Kevin Durant? Well, he hasn't worn out his welcome yet. And so he will if, in fact, he and Kevin don't get along. I'm very interested. First of all, um, just watching a little bit of them play was, was special. And and their bond has been so clear even, you know, before Kevin Durant got hurt. Even when I would see them during All-Star Weekend, and they were just always hand-in-hand hand before they made the announcement in the sense of they were just – you could tell there was a, a, a true friendship. And I think they – they think alike in a lot of ways. They, they, you know, a lot of players don't trust the media, but they, they, they're skeptical of the media. They feel as if people consistently doubt who they are. They are living in someone else's shadow, if you will, even though they know they're the greatest. But they, there's, a, there's an edge and there is a chip on both of their shoulders that I think where they really connect, and I think it's going to be special. What's going to happen, though, is, in my opinion, if they can't get along on the court, you know, if one of them doesn't decide to step up and lead and not let the emotional aspect of it tear them down, they're going to the they're going to be fine. But if if the mood and if the mentality is not right, we'll see. You know, one of them will determine. One of them will find out who's the most valuable, right? So if they don't get along, you know, we'll find out who they really care about. Like when they were in Golden State, when Draymond and and Kevin Durant had an apparent beef. You knew who the valuable player was. And I'm sure in that moment, Draymond knew too that, okay, they don't upset Kevin Durant. Like, I mean, that's what the deal was. And so I think with Kyrie, right now they get along and it seems to be okay. And he's taking his own high road and, dealing, and doing what he wants to do. But, you know, as long as it doesn't affect how they, they play on the court, no one's going to say anything. You know, I'm interested. I, I'm being... I'm being careful with my words because I'm interested in seeing how that relationships manifest based on how they both have been able or lack thereof been able to, to work with others. So we heard of the problems that, you know, how Kyrie was frustrated when he was in Cleveland. We saw what happened when he was in Boston, you know, we saw what happened, you know, when, you know, Kevin Durant was in Gold State, they got along until they didn't. You know, and it's it's this thing that's happening with these players of late. Because by the way, back in the day when I fell in love with the game, and I don't want to sound like get off my lawn, but we would <laughs> never hear <laughs> we would never hear about these squabbles. Like the squabbles became like um, like known when Kobe and Shaq started beefing. Like we would never. You think like I I really have a hard time believing that, and I'll just use my team as an example. I have a hard time believing that Magic and Kareem always got along. You know, I have a hard time mm-hmm. believing James Worthy wasn't irritated with something that, and I don't know any of this. I'm making some, I'm just telling you, I have a hard time believing that Byron Scott didn't like, I mean, Byron Scott has told me personally, he got had beef with like Michael Thompson. 
So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I, I know it happens, but we just didn't hear about it as much. And now we're just so privy back to my whole thought about social media and it's become so common and everyone has been, it's so, it's so comfortable sharing stories and saying they don't get along. Well, back in the day, that wasn't just, it wasn't an option. It wasn't an option to get up and leave and go somewhere else because they didn't want to play. They didn't want to play with them no more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, just one last question for you. Um, shifting gears to how the, the league focused on social justice issues. I thought they did a fantastic job on all the networks of really tackling the issues in real time. Uh, moving forward to this season, it seems like the league is taking less of a priority on um, highlighting um, social justice issues on kind of like a game by game basis. How do you think the league should uh, approach um, these type of issues moving forward for the upcoming season? Um, just considering that they're taking Black Lives Matter off the court, um, it seems like they're they're kind of moving on from the intense focus that was on the bubble. Well, I think that's fine that they want to move on and they don't want to make that what this is all about. I think at the time they they made a statement, but I think you, once you open that door, you can't you can't close it. Um, you know, I, I, I most recently worked the Sports Illustrated Awards, which are on tomorrow, um, and that was a big focus of the awards, like how these athletes, they were defining moments, especially in the bubble, that reverberated across this nation. You know, you remember once, once Adam said, guess what, there's no more NBA, March 11th, I think that was, you, we all knew then that this pandemic was serious, right? There were these moments, these defining moments where you had to stop and say, wait, oh, no more sports, and everyone followed suit. And then... When they, what they did was, is they allowed these players, which is not even allowed, they, they had to, right? You have to do it. You have to be able, you don't have to, but that had been the, that has been Adam Silver's um, legacy. Like from the moment he became the commissioner and he got rid of the Clippers owner, former owner, Donald Sterling, the legacy has always been about fairness and what's right and what's true and how there's no, um, there is no room for that in this particular league, no room for racism, no room for any type of isms, if you will. He's always set that tone. So he's opened that door. And I believe if the players decide that they want to do or individual teams decide that they want to do something, they will. I, you know, there could be obviously repercussions, but I don't think that they will hesitate in, in making a stand if they need to, whether it be for a movement, whether it be for someone who may or may not have been, you know, murdered by police. I believe that when and if the players or individual teams determine that that's what they want to do, they'll still do it. I mean, the league may not necessarily sanction it as a whole, but they've already opened that door. You can't walk that back. You can't say it's okay to protest and then say, don't protest anymore. You can say we're moving on from it, meaning like it doesn't have to be the focus, but I, I have a hard time believing if something happened and you know, the Milwaukee Bucks wanted to to do a work stoppage that they and they felt and they felt, you know, really truly moved to do so. I just have a hard time believing they wouldn't. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, totally probably does. be too much of a PR hit to, you know, go that route and, and try to be so public about silencing your employees, you know. You can't do it. You already allow right. them to have this huge platform, and and they have their own platforms individually. Every every mega player we talk about has created their own platform in, in other aspects outside of outside of sports. And so it you know they will inevitably will be asked about social justice, Black Lives Matter movement. What what are they doing? You know they will be asked. It just it is what it is. This is this is 
the new sports, if you will. There was a time, you know, you know, 80s and 90s, no one talked about it, but now it's it's at the forefront. This is what 2020 has done, and, and it's, it's taken it's taken place in every industry. Obviously, we're talking about basketball, but it's taking place in every industry. And, you know, you have the, what I like to call, you know, corporate justice, where these big corporate companies are making statements and saying this, that, and the third, and hiring and trying to be better. But once you start with your statements and, and trying to, and try to uh, say that this is where you are, i.e. on the right side of justice, you can't walk that back PR-wise like you just said, because people say, well, didn't you, Roger Goodell, didn't you just say that you, you made a mistake? Well, you know, and if someone really, truly wanted to press the issue, one of these players wanted to press the issue and, the, and any league tried to say no, they'd find themselves in a bit of a, you know, uh, uncomfortable situation, like you said, publicly. Absolutely. Well, Carrie, thank you for joining the show. Really appreciate it. Where can our listeners um, find your TV show? Uh, okay, so it's on Vice and uh, Vice TV. So you could just, you know, ask your cable provider or search Vice TV uh, if you have cable, and it'll tell you how to pop up and grab it. And it also is on the Vice app, V I C E app, Vice app. It's eleven thirty Thursdays. It's called Carrie and Jamel won't stick to sports. Awesome, Carrie. We really enjoyed the chat. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You guys have a good one, okay? Happy holidays. Welcome to the NBA season preview for the 2020-2021 season on Hoopsology. I am Justin Goodrum, joined by Matt Thomas. What's up, man? Man, not much. I, I'm doing well. Uh, I am smiling, very unconcerned, my- much like Blake Griffin was smiling at Thomas Bryant this week in that preseason game. Did you see that? <laughs> you read my mind because we were, we took a break from recording some interviews and that's the clip I saw of uh, <laughs> I him pushing, it. pushing that player. And he just seemed very nonchalant. I thought that was pretty hilarious. Even though it was a cheap shot, I thought it was still it, pretty funny. It is really worth looking up. If you guys it haven't is. seen it yet, look up Blake Griffin, Thomas Bryant. It's a, it's a wizards versus Pistons preseason game. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm carefree, man. It's it's the weekend. We're uh, we're having a great time here at home as usual. But but things are going well. Um, how are you? What's up with you? Good, man. Um, just really excited from like all the interviews we've done. Really enjoyed yeah. the chat with uh, Carrie Champion. And um, let's go ahead and just take care of some housekeeping things real quick and run down um, some really exciting news for the podcast first. As you just checked out, um, we. Just checked out the Carrie Champion interview. Uh, very fun chatting with her. Um, coming up later this week, uh, Wednesday morning, um, we'll have Richard Deitch of The Athletic and in the Sports Media Podcast. Um, really informative interview. If you're ever interested in just the media um, – I know he hates using that term, but just kind of the sports media um, side of things <laughs> in terms of um, how journalists cover athletes and just kind of television ratings just through COVID. Um, he is provides really great insight um, regarding that. And then we have our interview with John Gotti coming up next week with Complex Sneakers. Really insightful there. And we have our other interviews um, with Jock Slade, uh, with Zach Levitt, um, Ben Lyons, uh, all our um, NBA insiders, um, and, and plenty of other interviews coming up for 2021. So um, look for that on our podcast feed and on our YouTube feed too. And Matt, you have your own uh, videos as well that you're recording. Yeah, yeah, we're getting some more more video content going. So be sure that you're subscribed both for podcasts and on YouTube as well if you want some kind of more bite-sized takes 
uh, compared to our, our long form podcast on the weekends here, uh, please be sure to check in on YouTube. Uh, and we're also, you, you've got the individual guest interviews on there as well. So if you're someone who likes to kind of have YouTube stuff on in the background rather than podcasts, if, if that's more your medium, please subscribe to that channel as well, Hoopsology Podcast. So let's hop into it in, in this episode. As we stated up at the top, we're going to break down um, this upcoming season. Very excited to have basketball back. But Already. first, yeah. I yes. know it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to break down some contract news. And, and the first one, you probably heard it all over Twitter and all over SportsCenter. Giannis Antetokounmpo is staying with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, the two-time NBA MVP has signed a max five-year contract extension. Um, it's a record $228 million, 0.2 to be exact. Um, and this is according to ESPN. Um, and there's an opt-out for the fourth year. Um just real quickly, because I know there's plenty of teams that were really disappointed. I heard the Heat were disappointed. I heard even the <laughs> Lakers were trying to somehow make a run, or they're discussing it. I don't. Warriors know were talked about Warriors, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was interesting because the perspectives on this was this was really good for the league in terms of small markets. But hey, I'm a you know even the Chicago Bulls they're not a small market team. <clears throat> at the at the same time, I guess my point is is that. I know how the league works. I mean, the sexiest team sells. I mean, look at the Miami Heat, the superstars. They were billed as the villains of the league because they had three stars on their team. Same thing with Golden State, as Richard Deitch will allude to in the interview you listen to later this week. With Giannis staying in Milwaukee, from a league standpoint, is is that good for the league? Um, separate from him selling tickets in the Milwaukee market. Because him just staying within the East going to Miami, I mean, that's a power team with him and Jimmy Butler. But staying with the Bucks, they don't get that much media attention. I don't know how the ratings are per se. My guess is that they're, they're not really lighting the league on fire in terms of being a massive draw. And, and Deitch explained that, you know, that doubleheader on Thursday nights, they have a hard, pro, a hard issue of getting people to watch. And usually it's an Eastern Conference game nine times out of ten. So with Giannis staying in the Eastern Conference, I mean, for the next, you know, four to five years, they're going to be banking on him to be kind of the, the face of that doubleheader. I can see, you know, the Bucks being the doubleheader against, like, the Knicks, the Heat, whatever, the 76ers, et cetera. Do you think this is going to be um, something that helps the NBA in, in terms of him staying with the Bucks, Or do you think it could potentially hurt the league because he's still playing for a smart market? Or does, does that even matter anymore? I think it's a huge plus for the league because you have markets that are going to watch basketball no matter what. Like no matter who is on the Lakers, we, we saw them struggle for almost a decade, you know, good at least six years or so where it was a pretty bad product. And some of that was saved by Kobe being on the team. But point being that in Los Angeles, people are going to watch the Lakers specifically no matter who. Who's there in New York? People are going to watch the Knicks, no matter who's on that roster. Maybe not always uh, a larger market on on television, but there's there's going to be uh, a large market for that in general. Um, same thing like on the East Coast, like people are always going to tune in to the Celtics, no matter who's on that team. So I think, you know, if if you think about like LeBron's time in Cleveland when he left the Cleveland Cavaliers to go play for the Heat. 
the local economy of Cleveland was crushed by that for the next few years after that. I mean, he had, he had such a huge influence on like sports bars near the stadium uh, and just industry in general in Cleveland. So I do think it is a big deal that, you know, a team like Milwaukee who historically has been spurned before in the past, like say by Ray Allen and then even more so Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, it's nice for them to get the win here, so to speak, by keeping Giannis. Um, I, I, I think it's a huge plus for the league, but I also don't want to look at this with two rose-colored glasses, I guess, because what we're seeing with superstars lately, like if you look at the James Harden situation, and I'm not saying these guys are are the same by any means, but players still hold so much power in this league. And if the Bucks um, don't keep progress going to Giannis's liking, I mean, he can, he can power his way out of Milwaukee. I don't care how many years are left on his deal. Uh, that's that's just the reality of things right now and, and public relations towards these players. But I, I do think this is a huge positive. And I do think Giannis is sincere in, in wanting to be there. I think it sounds like from, you know, all interviews and other media that's out there about this. I mean, Giannis is very appreciative to the franchise, uh, the Bucks franchise for t- taking him in and for taking a chance on him in the draft and, and kind of building him up to this point. So all the pressure is now on Mike Budenholzer um, to get this team further in the playoffs. I mean, that's that's what we all know where the pressure is here. But um, I don't know. What do you think about Giannis staying in Milwaukee? I mean, do you agree with me that it's kind of a win to have um, a more engaged kind of Milwaukee area in the NBA who might not other be otherwise be engaged without him? Or do you think this is kind of a missed opportunity by Giannis in staying there? It's a it's, uh, it's such a double-edged sword, right? Because, you know, as we talked about with James Harden last week, you know, being loyal to a market for so long, if you don't win the title, you're seen as a loser. And if you go to the team that's a contender, you're seen as a sellout. I mean, what do you really do? Um, so right. it, it's a catch-22 situation. I will say for Milwaukee and for the competitive balance of the league, I do like him staying there. But, you know, the sexiest story is him going to a team with other superstars. What can I say? Or, you know, I think I would say playing with a big market, it does add a kind of a sexier appeal to it. I mean, look at Derrick Rose is an excellent example of that. I mean, I love Derrick Rose, but I think in my opinion, and, and I, you know, I'm a huge fan of his, I think he was kind of overrated. And I think to me, if you take a look at Derrick Rose on like a different team, like if he's playing for the Atlanta Magic, I don't know if he's MVP. Maybe he is, but in terms of that luster, like it was his jersey was number three, the biggest seller in the league. I mean, he was extremely popular. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it had to do with just that bull shine, that that luster playing for that team in his in his playing style, and also because he was from that city. So I think looking at Giannis, time will tell if this is a mistake. I think you know how it goes in this league. Coaches get fired first, so ultimately with Budenholzer, if they suck and if they're a disappointment, he's the first to go. And I think from there, you'll see some changes around the roster. And if that doesn't work, I think then he'll, like you said, Matt, you know, request a trade, even if he has years left on his contract. I mean, that's what we're seeing now with James Harden, right? I mean, you put it best, and you've always mentioned this, I mean, he still has two years on his deal. So we're still hearing about him wanting out immediately. 
So mm-hmm. overall, with with Giannis, I think it's good for the league. He stays there. I think it's good for ratings ultimately even though he's not going to like a sexier market at least you have like a hometown team you can build a base around but it is you know if they're not i'll put it this way these next three years are critical like this year we'll break down in this in our season preview for the bucks like they pretty much have to make it to the nba finals or like the eastern conference finals like and lose in seven games like there is no tomorrow and i think they have a lot more pressure compared to a team like the brooklyn nets and even the boston celtics like i just think with this contract and what the expectations are with the bucks if anything short of that there's going to be some massive questions and there's going to be some massive pressure on Giannis because we really haven't seen that so much i think the after the bubble this there's the first time where Giannis took a lot of criticism and it's only going to get louder if they fail to meet expectations for this upcoming season yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. And I, I think another point that I'll add that, that I think is really nice about the league right now is that to me, it feels like if you want to. So we all, we all know about LeBron and what he's doing right now, how he's building on his legacy. Everybody knows that. But to me, it feels like if you want to know the entire narrative of the league or or the very, very vast majority of significant playing that's happening in legacy building you have to tune into Giannis and I think you have to tune into Luka Doncic in the Mavs so so basically point being is there are huge bright young stars in all over the map all over this country Um, so I, I think the league is in a really healthy place and to me that's why I love Giannis staying in Milwaukee, because to me, the league itself doesn't get healthier if he goes to the Lakers. I mean, maybe it's OK if he goes to Miami in a way, um, but if he goes to one of these like mega franchises, I mean, unless it's like the Knicks, um, since, you know, that, that there's a performance boost element. If he goes to the Lakers, in my mind, that is the worst possible scenario. And if he goes to the Warriors, that, that's in my mind, the second worst scenario, just because it's it's not um, building interest around his legacy. It's, it's kind of diminishing that, in my opinion. So I, I think the league is in a good, healthy place with that. And, you know, keep in mind, it's, it's not like Giannis is really tied down, even though a contract suggests that. Um, the Bucks will still be under pressure to perform, like, like you talked about. So let's break down some other contract news real quickly. We don't have to spend too much time on this. Um, Rudy Gobert agreed to a five-year, $205 million extension with the Utah Jazz. Um, and in, it pretty much guarantees that Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are in a contract for long-term deals. Um, and then, like you said, Matt, off the air, um, this is the, the biggest contract ever for a big man. And you expressed some disappointment um, regarding this this contract extension signing um, how so? Why why are you so bummed out about this? Well, for one thing, I, I think, look, Rudy Gobert's a great center. He's a great rim defender. Um, nobody's going to argue that. But the league is shifting away from Rudy Gobert, it feels like. It, it doesn't feel like there, there's going to be a move towards a slower-paced basketball that would benefit Rudy Gobert. That's not to say that he's a player that can't have value he certainly can but when we're talking last five minutes in a fourth quarter 
do you really want Rudy Gobert to be one of your best two players on the floor? That's the kind of money that you're paying him. Also, we had a lot of drama, especially around COVID, interestingly enough, but, um, but around Rudy Gobert and his relationship with Donovan Mitchell. So I'm still not sure. I mean, you would imagine that because the Jazz inked Donovan Mitchell to a long-term extension as well, you'd imagine they got him to sign off on this move too, maybe just kind of talking about, you know, look at what you guys have already done. You guys are both young. Let's keep a winning atmosphere here. We have new ownership on the Jazz too, is is also new news for that team. So um, in spite of, you know, maybe front office starting to look a little bit different, we have the same coach um, and we have the same continuity on this roster. So, you know, I, I think it's realistic to think the Jazz are going to be a top five seed as constructed right now for the near future. Um, I, I just kind of think that I, I'm a little less positive about this signing because it kind of puts a ceiling in my mind on how, how likely they'll be to compete in the West, uh, like realistically for a Western Conference Finals, like that, that level of, of um, talent on your roster. So I, I think they're kind of handcuffed now. Um, so I've, to me, I, I don't like this deal. I, I almost made a video actually about how the jazz should trade Rudy Gobert. Maybe that, that's coming in, in the future, but, um, I don't know. I, I just feel kind of lukewarm to cold on this. How do you feel about this signing? Am I missing something here? I don't think so. I've never been like a huge fan of Rudy Gobert and, I think it speaks to still a lot of teams signing guys to max deals that don't necessarily deserve them. I think we alluded to this with Paul George. I think this is even to a stronger extent. And, you know, remember when, you know, once the NBA got all that television money and you saw all these dudes getting these massive deals, it seems like it's continuing. So it seems like it's out of desperation where if you have even like a good player, like a borderline all-star, it's, the teams are not risking it. They better lock them up for a long-term deal compared to just letting them go. And I think that's what we're seeing with the Utah Jazz. So we'll just have to wait and see how that plays plays out for sure. Um, one more thing I wanted to discuss with you, and then we can move on to our season preview. It just broke like 13 minutes ago. Um, I just had it here, and it was concerning um, Kyle Kuzma. And as you know, I'm not the biggest Kuzma fan because uh, <laughs> – Full disclosure, uh, but it was tweeted out by Woj right now. Um, Kyle Kuzma agreed to a three-year, $40 million contract extension with the player option for the 2023-2024 season. Um, the player option on a non-max rookie extension is the first in the league, a creative wrinkle that allows Kuzma into unrestricted free agency in his prime at 28. Smart move and benefit for Kuzma should outperform this deal. Headed into the summer of 2023, um, just some late breaking news there from Adrian Wolganowski from ESPN. Uh, any any thoughts on that? I like that. I, I like the Lakers giving him flexibility with that player option. And I think um, that's it's a very player friendly move and it's going to make the Lakers look well as an organization, too. So, um, I mean, you know, we, we could talk about him being worth that money right now. I think there he's he's shown flashes of brilliance. It, it felt to me it's it's like um, Kuzma performed really well his rookie year, and and I can speak a little bit to that because I had him on my fantasy team that year, um, and and then 
you know, kind of uh, sophomore slump slightly, and then kind of got uh, just just kind of placed out of the minutes that he was getting, obviously, with Anthony Davis coming in and joining this team. So I, I think the jury is still out on Kyle Kuzma. I don't really have a problem with this contract. Um, the big thing to me is when you mention the player option, uh, this is a deal that, in my opinion, makes the Lakers look really good to the rest of the league and specifically to the rest of the players around the league that they're giving him that player option. They're giving him the chance to opt out early and seek a better deal if he is um, kind of outperforming and showing a lot of interest around the league and, and maybe un, uh, unable to get the minutes he wants in L.A. Um, I don't know. You you have certainly uh, more bearish opinions of, of Kyle Kuzma than I do. How do you feel about it? Do you think it's... Um, kind of uh, poor spending on the Lakers part? Um, I think it's, it's kind of reminds me of like the Brandon Ingram. And then we have like Lonzo ball, like lately, I, I don't know if this was a thing in the Kobe era. I just think it's this thing now with the Lakers, like all these young guys with like potential. I just don't really see it. And I don't know. Basketball is a game where you kind of see who really the good elite players are. Um, maybe I'm incorrect, but, it's, it's it's fairly obvious when a guy has a lot of potential, you can really see them improve. And I think with Kyle Kuzma, I don't think he'll ever be an all-star in this league. I just don't see it. Um, I agree. I think I think he's a good role player, and especially with LeBron, if he's he's if he's productive with LeBron, then it can it can post well with him. Kind of you know just following where LeBron goes, because I think Brown's going to be there for a while um, past his current contract. So. If he lives up to any kind of a standard, even if he's like a strong role player, I think that's good enough. But for him being like, I don't know, any more than that, I just have never seen it. Yeah, and, and that seems like it kind of lines up with the money that they're paying him. I mean, three years, $40 million. So, you know, you're well under $20 million a year for him. You're like, you know, 16 and some change million a year. Um so that sounds about right. Sounds about what you're saying. Like not, not all-star caliber salary for sure at this point. And, and he's still young. Yes. True. Um, so man, let's hop into it. Our season preview basketball was back. I believe December 22nd. So that's, um, that's the recording of this podcast uh, two days from now on a Tuesday, the NBA returns in a semi-regular format. Um, so teams will be traveling to different arenas for different games. Um, if COVID is not interfering with, with those standards. So heading it into this, I think I, I have a setup where we have the top three teams in each conference. If you want to expand, by all means, Matt, please do. But I guess we'll, we'll kick things off in the West just because I think it's the more compelling conference. Um, oh, really? Some, I disagree. I think, really? <laughs> okay. Um, I think that, how I say this, the, the more train wreck storylines are in the East, like for a potential of just, you know, um, real housewives drama. But <laughs> in terms of like contenders winning the title, I think they're in the East. I mean, in the West, excuse me. So I agree with that for sure. I, I would say, I don't know, this is kind of a loose order, but the top three teams I have are the Lakers, Clippers, and Nuggets. Um, mm -hmm. I, looking at this season, I really wanted to pick the Nuggets to win it all. I really do in the bubble and everything. I think heading into this season, seeing how the Lakers performed, I can't do that. I think the Lakers are the odds-on favorite. 
Um, I think the Lakers are going to win the title. I hate, I really hate picking favorites um, in season predictions. I don't like it. I think it's boring and it kind of takes the fun out of it, but I just don't see anybody taking out the Lakers. I, I think the Clippers have a lot of, even though I I have them second, um, just with their talent, I don't really buy Paul George. I, I'm just listening to his podcast on All the Smoke. I know it was a few weeks ago. I just don't like his mindset. Um, and I think with these with COVID still happening with no fans, I think it's going to really affect him. Um, mm. And I think it's going to really affect his play. Even it's weird because I still have him really high up in the conference, um, but. I really think it's going to be an easy time for the Lakers taking them out. I mean, Kawhi can't, can't do it by himself. And when you have LeBron and when you have um, Anthony Davis, that's just too much to overcome. And I think, you know, I talked about earlier with the Nuggets. I think Jamal Murray's the, Murray's the key. If he performs like he's in the bubble, I think we have a strong contender. And I do think they probably beat the Clippers again if they meet up in a series. If he turns out to be mediocre, I think they – I think they have a potential to lose. I think it all rides on him. We we already know about the Joker. We already know about his ability to to, to carry this team and and to be a a centerpiece for the Nuggets. But Jamal Murray makes him a borderline championship contender. He he just does. Um, So I think those are the the top three teams in the West. What do you think? Am I missing any other team that you have in there? I have the same top three. And to your point about the Lakers – uh, Harrison Fagan, I, I retweeted him earlier this week because I, th- I thought this was uh, just really good data to know. 81% of GMs picked the Lakers to repeat this season. Oh, wow. And he, he goes on, for context, most at 46% picked the Clippers last year. So that's really, really high. Um, so the Clippers were the favorite last season at 46% of the GMs picking them. Lakers are the favorite this season at 81%. I mean, that, that's gigantic. I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's almost unprecedented that we see that. This is like um, Warriors with KD power level uh, that we're talking here. Um, I, I'm just curious. I, I don't disagree really with... Uh, anything that you pointed out there, but uh, if you had to put them like one, two, three, how do you have them seated? Just talking, talking the regular season, not the playoffs. Cause I think that's more interesting since the Lakers might be resting. Uh, good question. I, and also keep in mind COVID, right? So if mm-hmm. guys get COVID, um, ah, man, I think LeBron really likes playing in the regular season. Um, oh man. It, it's tough because I think the, the the best way to approach this, in my mind, is to take COVID out of it and just act like these guys are going to play all seventy-two games unless there's injuries. So I would right. say, or everyone's going to get hit the same with COVID, roughly, exactly. like probably missing seven to ten days due to COVID. You know, depending on the situation. I, I'm sorry, that's a good go. point. No, that's that's a good point. Um, I would say Lakers one. Um, I would say Nuggets two and Clippers three. Um. I just think with this whole pandemic thing, it makes me really worried about Paul George. I just – he's not really instilling confidence with him really handling the altered state of all the restrictions and then no fans. I think it's going to affect him, and I think you're going to see his play drop off on the court this season. So I really do see the Nuggets in that second spot. Um, how about you? How do you have that ranked? 
Cool. I actually, I, and maybe this this is a little, uh, I don't know, fanboyish or something. You know, we we've had a lot of guests on. You guys can check out the interviews uh, for the Denver Nuggets, but I picked the Nuggets number one just oh, because okay. I think they're young and hungry. Um, and, and I do think the Lakers are going to be kind of trading off between Anthony Davis playing and LeBron playing. Uh, I do still, still, even if that is going to be the case, I have the Lakers above the Clippers. So basically I have Nuggets one, Lakers two, Clippers three, just for reference last season, Lakers were one, Clippers were two and Nuggets were three. So we're talking the same top three seeds in the West. I think that makes a lot of sense though. Uh, I don't think the loss of Jeremy Grant is going to hurt the Nuggets so much so that they, they drop in their seating. Um, I mean, obviously I'm picking them to, to rise in their seating. Um, roughly the same amount of games were played last year. Like for example, the Lakers played 71 games in the regular season. So that's pre and uh, with bubble games. And the Lakers were 52 and 19. It's hard to imagine that they'd be much worse than that, given the talent that they brought in. Um, but, but I also know that, you know, like um, when LeBron was on the heat, they didn't always have to get the one seed. So I don't, I don't think uh, I, I agree with your point that uh, LeBron likes to play in the regular season. He's always been uh, good about that and, and great with his endurance through a season. Uh, but I also think LeBron realizes that he's 36 um, and he is, he seemed, you know, less happy. We've talked about this on the show in past episodes. He, he really was not happy about the announcement that the season was going to start on the 22nd. So I, I could see the Lakers maybe getting uh, a slower start than the Nuggets coming out of the gates. Um, but the talent is so deep there that I'm, I'm not worried about them at all. And, and I would advise that anyone else, um, not by any hype of like Lakers drama. If they start off, you know, two and two, God looks forbid, like we lost like Matt. Matt, can you hear me? I can hear you. Uh, it looks like we lost you on that last point. If you can just uh, repeat that real quick. Sorry, man. <laughs> no worries. Skype, Skype fun. Um, yeah. So, so basically I, I just think that the, um, that even if uh, the Lakers, rest a little bit with the talent that they've added. They're not going to drop off, you know, under the two seed. Gotcha. Okay. Um, let's shift to the Eastern conference tops teams. Actually, and... can I ask you oh, one go more ahead. thing about the yeah, West? Sure. Cause I do think this is kind of interesting. Um, yeah. And then do. we can shift over for sure. Um, yeah. So I, I think everyone would agree that Oklahoma city, given the changes to their roster, they are not going to be, making the playoffs this year. Um, no, since there was fire sale there with Chris Paul and everything. Um, so, so they're one team that won't be returning to the playoffs. Do you think you, we've heard a lot of buzz about James Harden trades. It seems like in my opinion, he's probably ending up in Philadelphia. We'll see if that happens. You know, I, I have nothing confirmed there obviously, but I, I think Daryl Morey loves him some James Harden. So I think that is going to happen. Uh, and it might even happen before Tuesday. We'll see. There's, there's a lot of buzz around Harden getting traded. Um, who knows if that's going to happen or not though. But uh, do you see the Rockets making the playoffs this year, given the volatility there? Let's say, you know, I, I mean, I think we both agree that yes, they probably make the playoffs if James Harden is playing the full season, but can you give me your thoughts on 
if he's traded before the season starts, and then also if he's traded at the trade deadline, do you see the Rockets making the playoffs? Um, I was it's so hard to predict, Matt, because it depends what they get for him. So I don't know. Let's right. just play off the the Seventy Sixers and Ben Simmons. Um, I would say it's possible. I mean, keep in mind, look at the bottom teams of the of the Western Conference, right? Like. Are they going to be able to beat like a Phoenix Suns? You would think so with the talent they have. At the same time, they might get hurt. Um, so I think in a shortened season, in this scenario, it actually favors Houston to still make the playoffs with John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, right? Um, you have 72 games. There's COVID. There's things that can happen. So them making the playoffs, yes. Them making any kind of a statement, no. So what really value is it for them? I, I don't really know. And especially now, it's amazing to say this, but really, if if that trade does happen where they get Ben Simmons, Houston does. I mean, you have two aging superstars with John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins. They're not really spry. And it's something mm-hmm. where are you going to be able to build a franchise around them for five years with those two and Ben Simmons? Probably not. Um, you you probably need to start building the your team around Simmons. And you know, we all know how I feel about Ben Simmons. So I think it just depends on the trade value. That's just, It's so unpredictable because how many teams have he heard that he's been going to, right? So it's really hard to say. I, I will say if he stays with Houston, they, they make the playoffs fairly easily, even if it's like a disappointing six to eight and they have to go through the playing game. I just think if the guys stay healthy, I think they make it happen. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Should we move on to the East? Sure. And why don't you go first and why don't you explain why the the East, um, they're the more compelling conference in terms of contenders um, in your mind? Well, I think I think both conferences certainly are really compelling. Uh, If we look at kind of the playoff picture from last year in the West, for the first time in, in quite a while, the eight seed who were the trailblazers had a losing record. Um, so there is kind of a, a trend towards the East, maybe being a little deeper than the West. Um, you add on top of that, that the nets are, are really, you know, I mean, they're, they're supercharged now with KD and, and Kyrie coming back healthy this year. Uh, the eight seed in the East last year, just for context was uh, the Orlando magic at 33 and 40, You'd have to think that this year that's that's not going to fly just simply because of how the Hawks improved their roster. For one thing, they're going to be knocking on the playoff door. Um, and then also how the the Nets improved, obviously. Uh, so I think, you know, teams like maybe the Pacers, who are still a, a really good basketball team and who have Oladipo hungry on another contract year. Uh, I think those teams are, are going to be overlooked. I, I also think the Heat as much as I love that that franchise, I think they're going to fall off a little bit this year. I with you know uh, the the injury woes that they faced um, in the finals this last year, uh, they are still kind of recovering from that. And I think they could, even though everyone's going to be you know kind of uh, picking on picking the Heat to be a top four seed, I, I could easily see a scenario like in my prediction, I have the heat as the sixth seed. Uh, and part of that is just because, um, you know, who my top three are. And then, um, 
you know, there has to also be room for like the Raptors, who you could argue are also maybe falling off a bit, losing Ibaka and Marcus Saul this offseason. Um, so it's it's just a, a more deep East than I think we saw last year. And um, and I didn't even mention the Wizards getting Russell Westbrook. So um, so it's it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Let me give you my top three seeds. And then and then I want to hear your thoughts on them and who you have as, as your top three. Um, I have the Bucks continuing as the top seed. Uh, and I wrote on, on my notes, I kind of did like three words or less to describe each team. I just think it's a it's a helpful exercise to find out what you feel about each team. And I just wrote for the Bucks, best got better. So the best in the East got Drew Holiday, essentially. Uh, and they're, they're a more complete roster now. They have more options at the end of games. I think the Bucks are going to be great. I have the Nets as the two seed, and I think they can get there even if Kyrie Irving gets injured. Maybe not the same way around if KD gets injured, but just from the little bit that I've seen in preseason, and granted, yes, it's a little bit, but these guys look like they are legit. And there's definitely going to be questions on the defensive end, and I think that's fair. But I, I think in the regular season, that's not going to punish them too much. Uh, as the three seed, under better management, I like the Sixers here at the three seed. And I'm also kind of banking on the potential for them to get James Harden. If that happens at the trade deadline or sooner, they're only going to get better in my mind. Um, and I, I think some other teams below them, like the Celtics and the Raptors on my list, have kind of lost some momentum. So that's kind of where I see things. But who are your top three seeds? So I am off the 76ers bandwagon. I, just, I think that's fair. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> just with Embiid, I was really high on him. You know, when we were, I was playing fantasy for that one year, I was really high on Embiid. I thought he was going to be one of the best big men in the league. And he's, he's way too inconsistent. And we all know about how I feel about Ben Simmons. So I don't have them in the top three. Um, Not even given Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers. Nah, no. <laughs> and even if they get James Harden, uh, maybe. But I don't know. The inconsistency just bothers me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in this conference, I see it's pretty wide open. And when you had the Miami Heat, which no one picked them to come out of nowhere to to go to the NBA Finals, that's a pretty. Um, I think it's a. It's pretty damning. And not the only. Not to mention the year before with Toronto, right? And you know, sending, you know, the 76ers packing on that Kawhi Leonard shot. Um, mm-hmm. This is tough in terms of the seeds. Uh, I'm not really sold as number one seed, but I think you're right, Matt. I don't, I don't, I think the Bucks are number one. I mean, I have the Bucks one, Heat two, Nets three. Um, as much as I don't like Kyrie Irving and to a lesser extent, Kevin Durant, I think they're really talented. And I think through this season, they're just too good as like a duo, I think, not to get the top that that top three seeds. So I don't know. I, I think just pure talent alone, they'll pull it off. In the playoffs, it's going to be very interesting. Who's going to take mm-hmm. the last shot? Who's going to be dominant in the fourth quarter? I mean, these are all fair questions to ask here. And I don't know. I I question how they're going to coexist in a very intense situation. Um, I have my doubts, but at the same time, I do see them being in the elite in the conference. Um, Another team too, 
have been off the bandwagon is the Boston Celtics. Yeah. I mean, what is when is when, right? With Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I mean, what is how many years are we going to have to wait for this duo finally to, to get it done and finally to see them be elite players? It's I think it, it's time now. And I think the hot seat's on with Brad Stevens. I think this is the most compelling conference in terms of just seeing there's a lot there's a lot of stakes on the line. And I like mm-hmm. that. And I think mm-hmm. it really helps a team like the Miami Heat, in which a lot of people think it's a fluke. It was just, you know, circumstances, and they ended up in the NBA Finals, and we all know what happened to them and the Lakers. I really like them as a team. They they remind me a lot of the Bulls um, when they had Derrick Rose, Joe Kim Noah, mm. um, just kind of a team that's gritty, not really enjoyable to watch so much. Um, but they have a lot of talent. And I do like Tyler Hero. I'm on his bandwagon. <laughs> you know me. I'm a huge Jimmy Butler fan, despite his attitude. And Bam I'm a Bile, I think that's kind of – oh, excuse me. He's not on the Miami Heat. Sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. They just sorry. extended him. Yeah. That's right. Okay. I, I, get, I just get confused. I, that's why I thought I just wasn't sure. But I think they're going to be kind of an underrated team that teams are not watching for. So I'm looking forward just to see how they mesh in these other teams that are so desperate because it seems to me for a um, Eastern Conference champion, they have no pressure on them. <laughs> it's like, I mean, if they lose in the first round, it's just going to be a huge thing about the Miami Heat. Probably not um, compared to if the Nets get bounced or the Celtics or the 76ers. Um, or the Bucks, they're going to get killed in the press. So I think it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. I think in terms of the conference, I'm looking forward to in terms of just like the drama, probably the East, but in mm-hmm. terms of like the players to ascend, like Zion and Luca, um, we'll get into later. I think the the West has more of those stories. Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to agree, um, and I don't blame you at all for being hesitant about the 76ers. I, I'm definitely kind of putting stock in some things happening there to give them the top three seed on, on my list. Um, but I think that's totally fair. And isn't it, isn't it kind of interesting how the Celtics feel like they are kind of past their window in my mind. And yet, I mean, Jason Tatum is young and and he's a rising star. He's gotten better, but I do agree with you that like in this configuration, it feels like it's been tried enough times we've kind of seen it and I don't, I mean, for all we know, they, they do have the talent on that roster to at least get to the Eastern finals. Um, but it, it just feels like we've seen it too much. Right. Yeah. I, we, we totally have. It's just in kind of the team that cried woof. And, you know, I gave them the benefit of the doubt when they lost Kyrie. I'm like, Hey, this is the team, this guy's a disruptor, you know, they're without him Maybe they can get it together, but we just didn't see it. And, and ultimately, I'm like, what are what exactly are the excuses, right? I mean, can, can you really blame the pandemic? Can you, are you going to blame this season because of 72 games? I mean, what are we really looking at? So um, I, I don't know. It's just a team that I'm not fully um, hitching my wagon onto for sure. And the other thing that's going to be fascinating about this season is is we have the play-in tournament, right? Yes. So, so really, if you are 10th seed or above, you are in the mix for playoff contention. And and I think in both, I, I think it's a little more fascinating in the West because you're probably going to see some combination of Zion and John Morant, you know, with Memphis and the Pelicans probably being 
in that mix. I certainly have them in the mix on my top 10 list. Um, and then in in the East, it's, it's pretty compelling as well, because you'd imagine the Wizards will be in the mix with Westbrook and Beal, uh, the Hawks with Trey Young and, and the veterans that they brought on, uh, kind of the, the great amount of firepower that they brought uh, for him to pass to. Um, so, so I think it, it speaks well for the outlook on this season and, and how interesting it's going to be because the, the toughest part of this list for me in writing my one through 10 on each of each of these conferences was really like five and lower in, in both conferences. It's, it's yeah. really hard for me to pick and choose who's going to be like, gosh, where are the warriors going to be? For example, like is, is Draymond, has he been doing too much media and the clay injury did that, um, you know, kind of kill their morale to a point where, you know, maybe they don't make the playoffs or they're, they're lower on that play in tournament ranking. Um, or do they ascend to the five seed? Cause certainly if Steph and Draymond are firing, on on all cylinders they have enough talent around them where they can win a lot of games you know so, so i think there's a lot of uh open questions like that you know same same thing with the mavericks that's that's a really hard team to place in the west and and i'll uh, <laughs> shut up after this because i'm kind of rambling but but you know the the porzingis injury is such a huge question mark when is he coming back and what can this team do just under Luca during the regular season without him on there? Um, so I think things are wide open. And like you said, there, there's going to be a big uh, youth movement in the West. I mean, if you just talk about Luca, John ja Morant and Zion, I mean, there's, there's three future stars right there. Devin Booker is still pretty young. And um, I certainly, I have the Suns making the playoffs. So it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to see, what happens and maybe, you know, is, is the door going to be shut on the Warriors without uh, Clay Thompson, you know, like you and I talked about a few weeks ago. I mean, does um, an era kind of change in Golden State this year? Um, we'll see. I mean, all fascinating questions. Did you have any other aspects of the these kind of preseason predictions that you wanted to discuss? Yeah, I wanted to hop into just underrated storylines to watch. Um, and, mm. and you mentioned, it, I don't know, it seems to me that Zion is taking a backseat, and even Luca. Like, I don't really see too much discussion around them. Um, why do you think that is? I mean, the previous season, especially around Zion, there's so much hype. Every game, it was like, how, what is Zion going to do? How much playing time he's going to get? And it's it seems to simmer down. Um, do you see that wrapping up as his play improves? Um, I, I see him getting a lot of time, uh, at least in the preseason. Um, I think he scored like 31 points his last game. I'm not exactly sure. But um, with him and, and even Luca, I mean, Luca was incredible in the bubble. And it seems like there's not a lot of talk surrounding him. Um, I realize that he's going to need Porzingis, but still just as an attraction in the league. I mean, we've seen plenty of teams with just, you know, one blaring superstars still get tons of attention even if they're not a title contender so why do you think that is that both these guys that at certain points get a lot of hype and now they're kind of falling under the radar yeah i mean with with luca it speaks to gosh how how much of a short-term memory we have on right. the sports media cycle because i i think i feel this way and and i would guess you would agree um, I mean, he hit the shot of the bubble 
like like the the whole entire bubble play regular season and playoffs uh that step back three that was just a dagger to the clippers was the shot of the bubble in in my opinion um and so it's it's crazy that we aren't talking about luca as much and maybe we're just writing him off because of that porzingis injury i i certainly am not uh i have them ranked pretty highly um but uh with zion you know it's it's almost like zion didn't really play uh, since march um with how little time he got in the bubble so i think with both of these guys i mean once you see their first big highlight of the year i do think there's going to be a lot of buzz about them and we're going to there there's been a little bit of buzz around brandon ingram and obviously he got that extension with the pelicans so i think that's going to carry over to zion it, it won't take long once he's you know thrown it down um but yeah i i think uh you bring up a very good point that there's maybe it's just the depth of talent in the league or obviously all the drama that's gone on on this off season has overshadowed talk about these guys, but you know, it, it just takes a few highlights circulating on Twitter and, and we'll be talking about these guys again for sure. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I just, I just find it very interesting. And also you mentioned, um, the Golden State Warriors, and not only with Steph Curry, but what about James Wiseman? I mean, if he turns out to be any kind of a, a power player um, in his rookie year, I mean, that makes the Warriors extremely dangerous. So I think they're going to be a compelling team team to watch as well. Um, I wanted to ask you, if you have any other thoughts, please let me know. But mm -hmm. the, the play-in tournament, do you see this being a success or if there's any kind of complications, do you see this going away? How do you see this playing out? Do you see this being a permanent fixture? I know Adam Silver, he loves, you know, in-season tournaments. And certainly it's this tournament's relevant because it leads to um, this playoff positioning. Are, are you a fan of this outside of the bubble, um, just heading into this season? What, what do you make? Because I know it was tough. Um, to come up with that five to ten spot, um, does that make it more exciting, or do you see it as, hey, we're gonna have some crap teams, you know, that are in kind of that <laughs> ninth, tenth spot? Why are we wasting our time? Uh, what do you make of this play-in tournament moving forward? You know, personally, I think I, I have two minds when it comes to this. So, so I guess I'm kind of looking at both sides here. As a viewer, I love a play-in tournament. I, I think anytime you can create a sense of urgency. You know, that, that's what the NFL does so well. I mean, love or hate the NFL, every week feels like it matters in the NFL. Um, and that's something that when you have an 82-game regular season or, you know, this year, 72-game, it's, it's hard to create that sense of urgency. So that's something that the play-in tournament helps with. But in another way, I, I also feel like, gosh, we're not really – rewarding people rewarding teams for hitting the seventh and eighth seed like we're kind of taking away from that um and i'm not sure if long term if that's a good thing or not i kind of want to see this play in tournament play out and adam silver is very aware of what is being said on twitter very aware of kind of fan reactions to things that are happening in the league also player reactions of course maybe more importantly so I think if, um, you know, say like a, a 10 seed knocks off, um, you know, like let's say like the Bulls knock off uh, the Pacers, 
let's let's just say hypothetically, uh, the Pacers were the seventh seed and the Bulls as the tenth seed knock them off. Um, you know, I I think well that might play out well with Chicago being a, a bigger market, um, but if there's a huge outpour of disappointment. Uh, I think it's something that'll change in the next couple of years. Uh, ultimately, I I personally see this sticking around just because of again the the sense of urgency that it creates, the the sense of interest. I think the TV ratings will bear this out and uh, and favor the play in tournament. Um, but but personally, uh, I I'm still conflicted how I feel about it as someone who appreciates a team. Um, like fighting as hard as they can for playoff contention. Now, you can also argue, on the other hand, this gets more teams playing the full regular season, and and that might be a very uh, a, a valid point as well. Um, you know, that's that's something that I want to kind of see as a fan play out a little bit more. Like, is the ten seed really trying that hard, or does it feel like they just kind of like fall into this opportunity? You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't know. So. But but what are your thoughts? I mean, do you think the do you have stronger feelings? Like, is this a net positive, net negative? Um, are you looking forward to it? I think it's a net positive as long as the games are compelling, and it's kind of again. I hate to bring up this term again, but it's a, it's a catch twenty two because if the games are compelling and yet you have a team battling for that eighth spot, I mean, what's the likelihood of that eighth team beating the number one team? Very minimal. Right. Um, if, you know, if we're talking about like March Madness or something, you know, that has the excitement when they expand into the field. At least there's a shot where you can, you know, anything can happen in one game, right? But when you mm-hmm. have a seven-game series, the better team's going to win, I would say, 95% of the time, and especially in a 1-8 scenario. So I, I just don't see it um, providing exciting matchups, even if there's like leagues <laughs> within the play-in tournament. Um, I, I do think it's cool. I think, you know, for a team like Chicago, one of the benefits is you're playing in, in intense games um, throughout the entire season. So you have something to play for. I think it kind of avoids tanking. Like, you know, there's different incentives around like, you know, going to the playoffs. I wonder how that works with the playing games. So overall, I like it. However, I mean, we get into the nitty gritty of like one through eight. We all know what the eight seeds, what's going to happen. They're going to get destroyed by number one. So <laughs> I think it'll be exciting. I think it'll be fun to watch. But as much as I was a fan of like Damian Lillard, like all that effort he he did, I mean, what happened when they finally made the playoffs, right? Um, so I, I think it's good to see younger talent um, play intense games early in their career as opposed to like you know in a normal circumstances a team that's terrible then being finished in the beginning of march right um they can just take a break as opposed to now they're gonna be playing the entire season full on as they're they're heading into the playoffs i think it's it, that's a positive for sure and i think it's worth keeping this format for that yeah yeah i agree i mean there it's clearly not like a like a hard line, you know, black or white kind of thing. I, I think there are there are pros and cons with it. Um, you know, it, it may be you're kind of talking me more into the the pro side of it. You know, getting um, just kind of more significant games for some of the the younger teams. Um, at least historically speaking, uh, I would agree with you that you know, like nine and ten seeds are typically younger rosters. Um, 
So yeah, it's just something that I feel like I want, I want a little more time to watch it play out. You know, I'm, I'm such a basketball traditionalist, like, like for example, when, when there's been talk, you know, this is something that I don't think we've talked about on the podcast yet. Um, but a lot of other podcasts have talked about like, Hey, should it be just one through 16 seeds, you know, don't care about East and West, you know, especially when it was like these, these teams, you know, eight games under 500 making the playoffs in the East when the East was really, really weak. Um, you know, there's, there's this conversation and, and I'm so much like, Oh gosh, I really want to keep my, my Western and Eastern conference, you know, I'm kind of, I guess, still old school, maybe, maybe a little thick headed or stubborn in a way about that. But, um, but, you know, there's, there's obviously good points on each side. And and ultimately you'd have to imagine if, if it's bringing in more viewers, more significant games that then the NBA is going to stick with it. For sure. Um, Did she have any other thoughts on this upcoming season, Matt? Gosh, I, I've got a lot of thoughts, but I, I don't think we have a lot of time. Um, <laughs> how do you think uh, – Here, important question for you, my last question here. How do you think sure. um, my my NBA doppelganger, Matt Thomas, on the Raptors oh. is going to do this season? Any uh, <laughs> any Matt Thomas scouting <laughs> reports, if I could be really vain and selfish here? <laughs> well, you mentioned all those changes to the Raptors roster. There might be more playing time for him. So uh, – I'll say average. I'll go high side. I'll say four points. Four I points. love it. I love it. Yeah. Let's four go. Four points Matt and Thomas. a rebound. Yeah. <laughs> I, I might have to give me a Matt Thomas jersey one of these days. Right. You should. <laughs> Even though hey. the Raptors aren't my team. Maybe he'll get traded. If if he gets traded to the Rockets, I mean you can <sighs> you can mark it down. <laughs> you don't have that rule like I do, so you can buy any jersey you want. So don't don't feel bad. All right. <laughs> I, I appreciate the, the green light you're giving me here. <laughs> cool, man. Well, that will wrap up our show. Um, you can always get in touch with Matt and I through our email address, hoopsology at gmail.com. We're also available on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram, and on Anchor as well. And any of um, your preferred um, podcasting um, apps, we have great interviews, as we mentioned before. Um, really with a full season preview from pretty much Golden State, um, Chicago Bulls, um, the Pelicans, the Lakers, the Denver Nuggets. Um, so please go check that out. It'll get you right ready um, for the season coming up. And we have a full slate of interviews, like I stated before. Um, we have Richard Deitch coming up this Wednesday. Um, we have John Gotti uh, from Complex coming up um, next weekend. And we have um, a lot of other great content um, set for you for 2021. So for Matt Thomas, I am Justin Goodrum. Enjoy the beginning of the NBA season. Have a happy holiday. Stay safe. And we will see you next time. See you later. Peace.